That's your cue. Praise God. I'm happy to see all of you here this evening. Amen. The word of God says where two or more are gathered. There he is. Yes, he is. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to be up here. I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak with you guys. To share the word of God with you. Let's go ahead and pray. God, you are mighty and righteous. Father, and there is nothing that you cannot do, Lord. Father, you are all-powerful, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would take a wretched man as myself, Lord, and use me. Use me to impact these young people. God, I thank you for pouring into my life. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would humble me, Father. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I've been speaking from the book of James for probably like two months now, and uh, we're going to continue in the book of James. We got a little bit of chapter four left, and then we have chapter five, and then we will be done with the book of James. So if you have your Bibles, you guys can turn there. Jessica's going to help you all out. Remember, the book of James was written to the early Jewish Christians that were scattered abroad because of persecution. Um, You can essentially say that it's written to all Christians because he was talking to them to encourage them and to bring correction in certain areas. It was written about 49 A.D. after the death of Christ. And the central theme, as we've been talking about, is our faith determines our actions and our attitudes why it's important that we put our faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else. So we're going to be reading from James chapter 4 verses 11 and 12. And the word of God says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you? To judge another. Do not speak evil of one another. It speaks in reference to that word evil. Speaking evil is like slander. It's like you um, communicating false statements that's injurious, that could provide injury to a person's reputation. A false and malicious statement or report about somebody. Um, it, it's kind of categorized with, with gossiping. Your purpose is to communicate something false. Or you belittle someone because of their shortcomings. So somebody is trying to walk a Christian lifestyle or not. But let's talk about the one who is. They're trying to walk as a man or, or a young man or a young woman of God. And they fall. They fall just a little bit short because it's an area of struggle for them. And you, speaking evil of them would be you belittling them because of it. And you breaking them down and discouraging them and 
and kind of pointing it out. That would be belittling somebody. That would be speaking evil of one of your brethren. This is what James is talking about. Lessening and depreciating their character. Endeavoring to bring others into discredit and esteem among men. There is absolutely no love in communicating false things that are hurtful or injurious to a person's reputation, even if you think what you're saying is correct. So what you're doing is you're causing somebody, that individual, to be looked upon by others in a manner that is embarrassing and can potentially send that person who has maybe fallen short in an area into a real backsliding lifestyle. You see, whenever somebody has fallen short or when somebody is, is struggling, it's, it's our job to operate in love. That's what God has called us to do. That's, that's the most important thing as a Christian is love. That's the greatest virtue. Paul talks about it in, in 1 Corinthians. If you have all of the other virtues, you can prophesize, you can speak in tongues, you can teach. All of those other virtues, if you don't have love, they're all null and void. So when somebody is, is falling short, it's our job to encourage them, to strengthen them, to be a word of comfort to them. Um, and whenever we think that we hear something that might be true, let's, for instance, use like Bobby getting suspended from school or something. This is just an example. This is nothing that's based on true events. But let's say he got suspended from school for cursing out the teacher or something, right? Now, this is a young man of God here, so we wouldn't expect anything like that to be coming from Bobby Bennett. However, whenever we hear this, we haven't seen no referral. We haven't seen, you know, Bobby not in school for a couple weeks, but it's something that we hear. And we begin to communicate it as if though it's, it's truth. And whenever we go to communicate it, we don't communicate it in a loving way. It's more like, oh, yeah, that Bobby, man, he calls himself a Christian. What's he doing cussing the teacher out? What's wrong with that guy? First of all, you don't even know if it's true. Okay? And second of all, your heart shouldn't be condemning towards Bobby Bennett. It should be more like, man, that does not sound like Bobby, man. Bobby loves Jesus. Bobby wouldn't do something like that. Yeah, but da, 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 da. Yeah, but I, I'm telling you. I know, but it just doesn't sound like Bobby. That's hard for me to believe. So James is saying do not speak evil of one another. Don't speak evil of your brethren. Furthermore, if somebody has fallen short and we begin to condemn them and we begin to speak negative on them and we begin to try to belittle them or ruin their reputation with our malicious words, definitely the opposite of love. If we begin to do that, that individual who has fallen short that might need encouragement and need to be lifted up from their so-called brothers and sisters in Christ, they may be embarrassed from their actions and, and they may be more condemned and self-condemned and the enemy, that now they're in the enemy's playground. And the enemy's just shouting at them, oh, man, see, nobody likes you now. Look, look that's what they're saying about you now because that word's going to make it back to them. And now somebody who has fallen short may even be moved into a place of permanent backsliding. No thanks to you if you're that one that's speaking evil. So this is what James is communicating. So whenever we become aware of unrighteousness in someone of our, so one of our brothers or sisters' lives, we should be broken and hurt inside. The spirit that dwells inside of me and the spirit that dwells inside of you should be grieved, should be hurt. Like, man, Bobby cussed the man. I know Bobby. There's no way, man. I, I just, I don't know. I got I to gotta look into this a little bit more. That would grieve me. It would hurt me to hear something like that. There was an example of um, two brothers that were, that, that applies to this. They were, um, they were texting back and forth and they were communicating, but their communication was, and these are, so you know, they're, they're Christians, 
and their communication was very negative. It was very harsh. There was no edification in it, no buildup, just complete breakdown. And I was very, very grieved. The spirit that dwelt inside of me was grieved, almost to the point of tears. Where I was like, I cannot believe that these brothers are Christians, and this is how they're talking to each other. There's people in the world that do not talk like this to each other. And these guys are Christians. So it hurt me. The spirit inside of us should be grieved. And instead of slandering their struggles, we should be in prayer for them first and foremost. And then when given the opportunity to bring correction, we should speak to them directly. I'm, this is what James is trying to communicate. He's talking about not speaking evil of one another. And we'll get to speaking evil and being a judge of the law. When we become aware of that unrighteousness, we should be grieved and we should jump into prayer immediately. Galatians 6, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in spirit and a spirit of gentleness. Considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted, bear, another, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about somebody's sin issue, and you said to yourself, because a lot of people, I've, I've, heard, I've been on both sides, and so somebody has a sin issue, somebody has an issue that is blatantly wrong, that is contrary to the word of God, and it's very evident, <laughs> and people will begin to talk and, and, and murmur about them and say, oh man, I can't believe they're doing that, I can't believe, oh, that's like totally, why, how, there's no way. It just doesn't make sense. Why would they do that? Man, they're wretched. Well, have they been playing Christian this whole time? But I've been on the other side, too, and the other side is this, where I've said, man, if I would have just submitted to my flesh that one day, if I would have just obeyed my initial thoughts that one day, that would be me. And the Bible, in the book of Galatians, it says, <clears throat> to restore such a one in spirit of gentleness, considering yourself. Lest you also be tempted. That could be us if we're not rooted in the word. If we're not committed to God in prayer. And committed to the word. And complete devotion. Because we are all tempted. And the, Bible's, the Bible says that God is faithful. And we won't be tempted in anything that we cannot bear. And he'll provide a way out. But however, there's still times that we fall. So that whenever we see someone else falling. We have to lift them up. Restore them in gentleness. Now it's not our duty. You know, I mean, it is our duty. But it's not. It's not for you to be discouraged if they don't repent and turn from their wicked ways or if they don't change. That's whenever you really lament in prayer and you really get down on your knees and bring it before God. Because God will be the heart changer. However, we cannot add to their, to their offense. We cannot add to their sin. We cannot add to holding them down, which is what the enemy's trying to do. We have to be loving and operate in that manner. Not speaking evil of a brother. Where we cannot speak well, when there's a time that we can't speak well about somebody, we'd better say nothing than speak evil. It's better for us to just not say nothing than to speak evil. Remember, speaking evil is that slander, that belittling them, the, the being very judgmental upon what they're doing and, and lessening them as a character, as an individual, and lessening their, their self-esteem. We must not take pleasure in making known the faults of others. Things that are secret, that aren't meant to be exposed, 
it's not our job to expose them in a manner to belittle that individual. Now, there, are t- there is times for things to be exposed, and that's what I said. You know, if you get an opportunity to bring correction to that issue, depending on your situation, depending on your relationship, depending on the opportunities that God gives you, it may be a time to, to expose that. And if you know about something that's dangerous to somebody's life and well-being, then you definitely need to be communicating that to their parents or somebody that's in authority over them. Um, <coughs> nor making more of their known faults than they really deserve. That would be Bobby cussing in school. Let's say it becomes, it becomes, uh, he gets suspended and expelled. It's, it's reality. It's truth. It, it, it's the word of surface. Bobby's repented about it. He's like, man, you know, we were talking about evolution in class, and man, my emotions got the best of me. She just started talking to me, or he started talking to me. The teacher was talking to me as if though I was like stupid or ignorant or something. And then all the students, they were ganging up on me, and it just, my, my emotions just, Man, they overcame that. Now, now I got to deal with this expulsion, and man, I can't believe I did that. You know, I just lost control. You know, he's repented about it. You know, but you, being the one speaking evil, and I'm not speaking of any of you, but I'm talking about what James is talking about here—to not speak evil of somebody, to not slander them. Instead, whenever you have the opportunity, you say, "Yeah, man, Bobby's, oh, what a punk, man. He ain't no Christian. I'll tell you that right now, because a Christian really wouldn't be doing that. And me, I would have never done that, because you know." I'm a Christian. You know, that's that's the type of stuff that James is talking about, slandering and speaking evil, making known the faults that they have, making more of an issue of them than what they really deserve. And least of all, in making false stories and spreading them, spreading things concerning them of which they are altogether innocent. So that would be just completely lying about that individual just to make yourself sound better or to make them sound worse. Whatever your motives are, it would be completely wrong to do something like that. And it's not loving. And it's not godly, and it's not what we as Christians are called to do. Nowhere in the word of God. Amen. We are called to actually do the exact opposite of speaking evil. In Ephesians 4, 30 through 32, the word of God says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgave you. Guys, remember, as Christians, as children of God, we're representing Jesus Christ. That's who we've been born again. We're not representing Manny. We're not representing Carmia. We're not representing Chad anymore. Remember, we've talked about this many times. We are to die to ourselves. We are new creations in Christ. So whenever we're representing Christ, that's the type of characteristics that we got to have, being kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Even if deep down inside you want to say, man, I, I'm going to slap you. You know, even if you want to say that to somebody, that's not tenderhearted. You know, that's not kind. You have to bring across that slap in the face with kind, loving words. You know, you can still bring correction in a loving manner. So we are called to do the exact opposite, as James is telling them, do not speak evil. Of one another, brethren. We are called out of darkness to live a pure and holy life acceptable to God. First Peter 1.15. And as a matter of fact, you can also go to Leviticus in, in one, two, three, four different spots. It says to be holy as he is holy. In First Peter 1.15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. All of your conduct. The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you carry yourself, the way you deal with your mother, the way you deal with your father, the way you deal with your pastor. 
the way you deal with your friends, the way you deal with your teachers, the way you dress, your conduct. That has to do with everything that's about you. When someone thinks of you, what are they thinking of? Okay? That's your conduct. That's who you are. We are new creations in Christ and should be living, walking, talking examples of the love of God that dwells inside of us and is manifested out of us, being revealed in our conduct towards others. 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God and does not love. And he who, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I don't, I don't know if John mentioned love in, that, in, those two, in those two verses right there. But speaking evil, slandering, backbiting, talking down, gossiping about somebody, somebody who's got an issue, you're trying to make them look bad. You want to jump in on the conversation just to communicate how bad they look. All of that is not out of love. That's speaking evil of somebody. I was a little bit convicted about some of these points that, that, that God had brought to my attention. I mean, there's room for correction in all of us, right? God gives us the map to love. And this is a beautiful scripture here. And if you don't know it by heart, I, I encourage you to. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. He says, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only son, begotten son, into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, to be the substitute, to be the sacrifice, to be stand in the gap for us and for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So here we are, these young men and women of God, claiming to be Christians, fighting the good fight, claiming to believe in the word of God. God says, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Loving one another involves complete selflessness. It's you not thinking about yourself, it's you thinking about that individual. And the most important part I shouldn't say the most important, but something that is extremely important is the well-being of their soul. Because there's many people who do not know Christ, who we consider our friends that we go to school with, but yet we've never communicated the gospel to them. I've had conversations with you guys, and I've asked you, oh, yeah, you're hanging out. Okay, cool. Yeah, what's his name? Oh, okay. What church do you go to? I don't know. You don't know what church they go to? Okay. Or do they know Jesus? Um, I guess. We have to talk. That's the well-being of their soul. People are dying left and right all the time. It's our job to at least communicate it. There's no greater love than that. It's you laying down your life for your brethren. Does it mean that you need to go have a gun held to your head and lay it down for them? No. But what it means is you don't want to talk to them. Why? Because, you know, it's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of awkward. It doesn't feel right. It's not comfortable. It makes me feel uneasy. That's you, you, you. It makes you feel uneasy. It makes you feel uncomfortable. It's embarrassing to you. It's intimidating to you. You have a little bit of fear. You have a little bit of anxiety. It's all about you and me. You, you and me. Me, me, you, you, I. You know that. And I'm not talking about you and me. I'm talking about you, you, you. And those statements. But whenever you have somebody that you're trying to communica communicate, communicate the gospel to or somebody who needs to hear the gospel communicated to them because they're not saved or you don't know if they're saved, you don't know if they have a relationship, which you should by their fruit, 
then it's not about you anymore. It's about them, and that's love. You're laying down your life, everything that you want to do, which is not communicate the gospel for whatever reason, and you're saying, I'm going to step out in boldness, and I'm going to say, look, I got the greatest news, the greatest news. God loves you. He created you. He formed you in your mother's womb, and he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to commit to him in totality. He wants you to follow his word. He loves you even before you love him. Do you love him? No, you don't love him. See, I told you he loves you even before you love him. It's about you communicating the gospel no matter how uncomfortable you feel. That's laying down your life. That's laying down you, your thoughts, your passions, your wills, your desires. All for what? For the gospel. All for what? For the salvation of their soul. Another thing that, 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 that really stuck out to me in this text is in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. There's people, when you communicate that gospel to them, they're not going to act too loving to you, even if they're people who you thought were your homies. They, they might be very rude to you. You know, they might be very bold about what they believe, and it might not be the same thing you believe. But God sent his son into the world and showed us that love. And it wasn't that, they, that, he, that we loved him, but it was that he loved us while he did it. So it doesn't matter if they want to receive it. It doesn't matter if they're giving you money, giving you candy, you know, giving you props, whatever. It doesn't matter what they're doing as far as their communication of love towards you. It's about you saying, you know what, even though you don't love me, even though you ain't feeling this, even though you ain't treating me right, I'm still going to communicate it to you. Why? Because I love you. And if I didn't communicate it to you, it would be an example of my lack of love for you. Why? Because others care about your well-being here. I care about your well-being in eternity. I care about you spending eternity with God, the one who created you and loves you more. Our primary focus should be to keep the commands of God and to live according to his word to the best of our ability. Guys, easy place to start. Devotion time. In the word. Prayer time. In prayer. Just start somewhere. Date with God. Some of you, I mean, you guys, it, there's structure in your lives to a degree. It's like, all right, every day when I get home from school or every day when I wake up, I'm going to go check my Facebook account or MySpace or some social network that's out there now, Twitter. But I'm going to do it, and this is, I'm going to do it. Usually I do it right when I wake up. It's like a routine. Or right when I get home from school. Or right before I go to bed. I got to check to see if anybody was communicating with me. I got to be in the loop. Same thing with God. Just schedule that time. God, this is separated for you. Right here. 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. Right before I go to bed. Whatever's best for you. Right when I wake up. Give him some time. Start there. A prayer. A commitment to the word. Devotion. Don't allow the excuses of. Oh, well, I don't understand the Bible when I read it. It's hard for me. Or I had somebody once tell me, I told him I used to, you know, I fall asleep whenever I pray. I said, walk around whenever, whenever you pray. Walk around. Stand up, walk around. I, or I think it, maybe it was, I, I fall asleep when I read the word is what I communicated to him. And he's like, well, why don't you stand up and read the word? Okay. <laughs> he had nothing to say. That was you that told me that, Bishop. <laughs> like, Bishop, man, I just fall asleep every time I read, man. I don't know. Stand up and read. Okay, thank you for that correction, for instruction. Set some time apart for you and God. Get serious about it. 
That's our primary focus. Why? How can you communicate the gospel if you don't know the gospel? How can you share the word if you don't know the word? How can you fight off the wiles of the enemy if you don't know the word? Because that's the way Je- that's what Jesus did, right? He had the word of God dwelling in him. And for all you are in phase one, here we go again, phase one. See, it's just the word over and over and over and over again. You hide his word in your heart so that you won't sin against him, right? You can keep your way pure by what? Heeding to the word. It should not be to watch closely all others so that we may become their judge. Again, primary focus, God, his word, our relationship with him. Not so that we can look at everybody and say, ooh, look what they're doing. Oh, they're wrong. Let's go talk about them. Let's go gossip about them. Let's go spread this about them. Why? Because I've been paying attention to them. And look, they're sinful. So you got a primary focus and you got far, farthest away from the primary focus. Jesus, God, is the only lawgiver. Now we're moving into the text. It says, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges it. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge? But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of the law. That means that you reject the law of God and set yourself and your own conduct and your own rules of life above them. That's being somebody who's not a doer, but a judge of the law. Look, this is the way you should act. Why? Because I say so. It just doesn't seem right to what you're doing. So you condemn them and you say this is the way it should be. Not because of the, the word of God says so, but because you say so. That's being a judge of the law. Jesus, God, is the only lawgiver that James refers to who is able to save and destroy. Go with me to Matthew 10, 28. It says, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It's funny how we don't want to fight with some people. Or we come up on somebody, somebody look big or diesel, you know, we don't want nothing to do with them. So, you know, we ain't going to talk trash. We're going to mind our manners. We're going to be, we're going to act right, especially if you're by yourself and you got all your homies with you, right? You're going to act right. You're going to stay in line. You're going to stay in order. But yet God, who is able to destroy the soul and sin, able to destroy both soul and body in hell, we don't fear him hardly enough. Oh, he'll understand. It's cool. No big deal. Are you obeying God's word? I'm trying. Oh, but I bet you if Big Diesel was walking around here ready to beat you down, you'd be obeying his word, wouldn't you? Oh, you say not, but okay, Bob. We got one tough guy in the house. That's what I'm talking about. I got your back, Bobby. Nobody can have your back when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, though. Judgment seat of God. Christ has got your back, but are you going to forsake him? While you're here. Who are you to judge? This part of the text refers to your judgment upon others in regards to you judging by your standards. As though others were wrong and wicked for not heeding to your rules and your standards that are not spoken of in God's word. That's what he's talking about when he says, who are you to judge? You make yourself above the law. The law already has everything written down in it. God's word already has everything written down in it. 
that's what people are to obey. They're not to obey your standards and your rules and your regulations that you have that are not in accordance with God's word. Who are you to judge? But see, Jesus talks about a righteous judgment, too. If you're judging for correction, this doesn't mean going around looking for people to judge. You know, okay, I'm judging you for correction. I'm judging you for correction. I'm judging you for correction. But it means that if you are get in a position, for instance, Bobby, the captain of a baseball team, it would be wise for you to make judgment upon your baseball team to say, okay, this conduct is unacceptable. We have to act right and do right, make sure we're at practice so that we can be a good example of, you know, the team here and so that we can play in unity together and so that we can win the championship, which is the ultimate goal in sports. Okay? So that type of judgment is, is, is right. You're bringing correction to them. But a lot of, you know, if, if once you get a little old, they might want to go out and party or do something crazy like that. You're like, man, this is not healthy. This is not good for the team. In the same manner, as a Christian, you know, you might have an opportunity to judge somebody who's a brother. Let's say you're a leader in TCG. You got to say, look, but you got to do it with love. You have to do it with love. Otherwise, you come off condemning. You come off trying to communicate your own will instead of you being more concerned with their relationship with God and their separation from God. And the last point here to communicate to you all, hallelujah, is all of our worldly desires are to be deliberately placed aside and forsaken so that we are careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit by living a life that is unacceptable to God's standards that are well communicated in his word. And we'll go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5, verses 15 through 26, and we'll read that together. Actually, 15 through 20. But if you bite and devour one another, be aware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Say that again. Walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. You see the war right there, right? You see the battle that's going on, right? The flesh against the spirit. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, 21 through 26, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, there's a but there, for all y'all holy folk, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Speaking evil upon one another, provoking, envying one another. See, there's a constant battle that goes on inside of us, constant battle. As you wanting to smack somebody in the head and you wanting to communicate them to them in love. And then what you're doing, you know, you know, you come to church, love you, you're my brother. You know, we've had conversations, but man, what you're doing, God is not pleased with. God is not happy with that. Do you agree? No, I don't agree. Why don't you agree, man? Let's, can, I, can I show you in the word? I love you, man. I don't want you to be creating this type of this type of wrath to be upon you in your life, man. It's just going to cause calamity and separation from you and God. All right, well, show me in the word. Okay, well, let me show you in the word. Praise God, you know. 
and you just do it with love. You don't walk up and smack them. You don't backbite. You don't talk trash about them. You don't try to belittle them and try to make their character look small. You don't try to lower their self-esteem. You don't take what he's done and spread it all over to everybody so that people can look at him and look down on him. That's what we're not called to do. We're not called to speak evil of one another in no way, shape, or form. It's all about love. So whenever you guys are doing something, when you have a situation, and I have a situation, we look at it and we say, is this being communicated with love? Am I operating in love here? Or if you haven't done anything yet, what should I do to operate in love? Okay. I'm glad that I thought about that because this is what I was about to do, and that wasn't too loving. I'm glad I thought about that. So that's what James is communicating. That's James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. And that concludes our message. Hallelujah. Praise God. We'll go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are wonderful, glorious, awesome, precious. Father, you are 